Hello, this is Helga Edwards, and I'm here with my husband Bob. Today we will be looking at Genesis chapter 25. In the aftermath of Sarah's death in Genesis chapter 23, Genesis 25 begins with an account of Abraham's marriage to his second wife Keturah and other offspring he had. The chapter continues by reporting Abraham's death and burial with Sarah in the cave that Abraham had purchased in the land of Canaan. It then describes the twelve tribes that were descended from Ishmael, as well as Ishmael's death and burial with his ancestors. Genesis 25 verses 19 to 26 focuses on Isaac and Rebekah and their fraternal twins, Jacob and Esau. Here are those verses read from the Common English Bible, beginning at verse 19. These are the descendants of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham became the father of Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, and the sister of Laban, the Aramean, from Padan Aram. Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife, since she was unable to have children. The Lord was moved by his prayer, and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. But the boys pushed against each other inside of her, and she said, If this is what it's like, why did it happen to me? So she went to ask the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two different peoples will emerge from your body. One people will be stronger than the other. The older will serve the younger. When she reached the end of her pregnancy, she discovered that she had twins. The first came out red all over, clothed with hair, and she named him Esau. Immediately afterwards, his brother came out gripping Esau's heel, and she named him Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when they were born. Here ends our reading of Genesis 25 verses 19 to 26. In Genesis 25 verse 22, we read that Rebekah is carrying twin sons within her womb that are pushing against one another. As she experiences this, she goes directly to God to ask him what is happening. God answers her prophetically and explains that she is carrying two nations within her that will one day have a contentious relationship. This conversation between Rebekah and God is significant for a number of reasons. To begin, it is important to recognize that when Rebecca is troubled, she goes directly to God. She does not seek out her husband or any other man to inquire of the Lord on her behalf. She does not require a male mediator. God's response to Rebecca is significant. He not only answers her directly, but also gives her prophetic insight into the future relationship of her son's descendants. The future relationship of two nations is revealed in Scripture through a prophetic conversation between God and a woman. This example of God's relationship with Rebekah directly contradicts the claim of complementarian or patriarchal theology. For example, Charisma magazine published an article entitled, Exploring a Husband's Role as Prophet, Priest, and King. In it, we are told that women require a man, their husband, to be God's prophet in the household. In the words of the author, quote, A husband is to be the family prophet. He represents God to his wife, and by extension his family, the fruit of their union. 
He provides biblical instruction and training to his wife and children. He prepares family devotions and encourages private devotions. He is the arbiter of family values. He insists on regular church attendance. End of quote. The article also describes a husband as the family priest. Again, in the words of the article's author, quote, He represents his wife and children to God. He sets the spiritual temperature in the home. He is a mediator to God for his family. End of quote. And finally, the article describes a husband as the family king. In this role, he is allegedly the provider for his family, and in the words of the author, quote, he administers discipline, end of quote, not just to the children, but also to his wife. Genesis chapter 25 directly contradicts this patriarchal thinking. To begin, Rebecca does not look to Isaac as the family priest. She does not require her husband to mediate for her. Rather, she goes directly to God with her requests, and God answers her directly. Secondly, Rebecca does not require her husband to be the family prophet. She receives from God a direct prophetic revelation in answer to her concerns. Finally, neither in Genesis 25 nor anywhere else in the Bible is a husband ever encouraged to function as the family king. In fact, in direct contrast to this patriarchal notion, the New Testament commands husbands to imitate the incarnation of Christ. Jesus' act of laying aside authority to take upon himself the form of a servant and die for humanity's sins. We find that command in Ephesians 5.25, which reads, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. A similar command is given to all Christians, including husbands, in the New Testament book of Philippians, in chapter 2, verses 5 through 8 which read, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Confronting the hierarchical politics of the day, Jesus taught his disciples, quote, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We find that in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28. The Bible does not encourage husbands to function like the kings of their wives. The Bible also does not encourage husbands to function as priests and mediators for their wives. In fact, the New Testament teaches that the role of mediator between humanity and God belongs to Jesus Christ alone. In 1 Timothy 2, 
5 through 6, for example, we read, For there is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. The Bible also does not encourage husbands to function as the family prophet. In the New Testament, we find that the spiritual gift of prophecy, receiving and sharing messages from God, is not given on the basis of a person's gender or marital status. In Acts 21.9, for instance, we read about a man named Philip, who, quote, had four unmarried daughters who could prophesy, unquote. Put very bluntly, the patriarchal notion that a man is the prophet, priest, and king of his household is a false teaching that cannot be found anywhere in the Bible. It places men in the position of Jesus Christ, the sole mediator between God and humanity, which is a form of idolatry. It denies the truth that God gives spiritual gifts, including the gift of prophecy, to whomever he wishes regardless of their sex or marital status. And it wrongly encourages husbands to assume a position of authority over their wives in direct contradiction to the words and example of Christ. Furthermore, according to an international study of nearly half a million women from 44 different countries, social norms that encourage men to exercise authority over female behavior are a leading predictor of domestic violence. That study is entitled Cross-National and Multi-Level Correlates of Partner Violence, and it was completed in 2015 by Drs. Lori Heiss and Andrea Kotsadam. In direct contrast to patriarchal theology, the story of Rebecca in Genesis 25, as well as many passages in the New Testament, show us that women and men can and should have equal access to God. They can equally be messengers of God, and they can equally share power in adult relationships in the church and in the home.